Welcome back, my dear uh, podcast followers and listeners. Uh, I am picking up the story today where Kuyati stands with a white heron in his hands. And uh, this is not the first time he had a white heron in his hands, but I'll get to that. Uh, this is a, a plush toy that Isadora, his beautiful advocate, had, had bought in uh, in a toy shop in Dar es Salaam. And she hollowed it out a little bit under the right wing and stuffed a voice recorder in there. Because uh, Isidora was th- at the top of a class in law school and she is one thorough little lady. And she looked up about uh, ways that they do therapy with children who have been traumatized. And often they use uh, dolls and plush toys and and the like to to give a character to a perceived interviewer instead of a therapist. The therapist talks through this uh, toy. And often the children open up. Uh, The the recorder wasn't a secret to Koyati. She showed him the recorder, showed him where to press the record button, in fact. But a ploy worked because Koyati took to this thing eventually, after a few bumps, uh, took to this thing like a duck to water and started spilling his guts, as they say. So when she first gives him the the heron, the white heron, he freaks out. He throws it on the floor. He curls up in a fetal position after he's been, he, he screams and freaked out a little bit. And Isidora is completely nonplussed. I mean, what the heck is going on here? Because it's a catch-22. She doesn't know his history because he hasn't told his history, but he freaks out. Uh, in front of the uh, the white heron because of his history that she doesn't know yet. Anyway, so he convinces her that he's got a herophobia. He's scared of herons, a word he heard on a BBC broadcast many years ago. But because he's illiterate, he compensates and never forgets anything. Kuyati has no right to be smart as smart as he is. So he stands there, in his cell, the bully is not there, thank God. Uh, and he holds this heron like you handle a live mamba. And uh, Isadora is not a lady to be put off. She has made this plan and she's going to go through with it. So she begs him to hold the heron and talk to it. And I'm going to read a little piece here. If I ask nicely, she said, Would you pick up the toy, hold it in your hands, and listen to what I have to say? There's a good reason I got it for you. And it was not to upset you. Kuyati says, uh, I didn't want to touch you at that time, Miss Heron. The whole book is is dialogue. Well, yes, dialogue with Miss Heron, because after a while he knows Miss Heron so well that she starts talking back. We have a touch of uh, magic realism in this novel. I didn't know at the time that a plush toy was going to become my best friend, Coyote says. But Isadora was batting her eyelids just a little bit. If she ordered me to march off a cliff, 
I'd salute smartly like the guards do when the prison head comes by and step over the edge. I turned around slowly and picked you up like I'd pick up a mama. Even now, I cannot even tell you what I was seeing when I closed my eyes. Parenthesis, uh, Koyati is here talking to Miss Heron. He, <laughs> he wants to spare her the bloody events for when he, he killed a Heron, a live Heron. I held on for dear life not to fling you away, Isidora said. I'm develop developing a plan for your defense. The first thing I need is the story of your life. Why? I asked. Isidora laid it all on the table. Because I have nothing else, she said. You were caught with a smoking gun in your hands. We've got to play the sympathy card and play it hard. How will my life story help? I asked. I suspect that you've been abused as a child, she said. I can get expert witnesses who can use your story to defend you. They'll say that you went bad because you've been beaten all your life. I was taken aback. I never thought that I'd been treating, treated that badly. I mean, I was sometimes roughed up a bit, but it was almost always my own fault. The inmates talk about child trafficking and all sorts of terrible things. None of that has ever happened to me. Besides, doesn't every child get slapped around a little bit? You see, this is the world of Koyate. His mother was really, really bad to him. Uh, he was nothing but the nuisance all his life. And being a nuisance all his life, he didn't know that a child could be anything but the nuisance. I said, uh, and I'm continuing Koyati's narration, I said, maybe I won't get the death sentence anyway. Is that what you think? She asked. She was there when Chaboy made his threats. I never meant for anyone to get hurt, Isidora. It was an accident. But you did it. You'll be convicted. Childhood trauma is all we have. And this is where she makes a little speech and say, they got to put the rope around your neck and pull the lever. Okay, she tells him where the, the voice recorder is. He lifts the wing up and there it is. Play. Rewind, record, okay. She tells him, put this in your woodworking shop and, uh, and tell your story. So I nodded, I'm reading again. Now give the bird a name, she ordered. Miss Heron, I said, because she's a heron and she's scary. Is Isidora may not be an imperialist, but the scary bird was one. No, I thought, this bird is more like an avenging ghost from under the ground. No offense, Miss Aaron, but that was before I knew you. Isidora said, I want uh, Miss Aaron to come alive for you. She must almost take talk back to you. She must become a real person. That was exactly what I was afraid of. Isidoro wriggled her fingers in the air like the emperor when he zaps Luke Skywalker. She did it as if she was joking, but I knew what was going on. I clearly saw the life rays coming out of her fingertips and zapping you into a living creature. In fact, I saw a flicker in your eyes, and that is how you were born. This is one of the pivotal passages in my book, 
this is why I get the right to say that this book's genre is uh, magic realism. Uh, Kuyati believes that Isadora brought the heron to life and that it, the heron, Miss Heron, is a real living person. And he also believed that she might be an incarnation of the heron he killed when he was 14 or 15, killed without a reason, which really freaked the elders of his village out because they knew, as we all know, that a 10-year-old, for example, who crucifies cats, it doesn't bode well. <laughs> Let's just say his future is going to be problematic. So uh, let's just read one more piece. Uh, I Already I found it annoying that she was calling you it. I looked at you, Miss Heron, and you looked back. What if Miss Heron hates me? I asked. Isadora asked, why are you covering your eye? I took my hand away, but I kept an eye on you, Miss Heron, while I still had one. This is an oblique reference to the story of the farmer, the heron, and the snake, which is about the nature of gratitude. And at the end of that story, spoiler, spoiler, not a big spoiler, uh, the fleeing heron, as he escapes from the farmer's house, pecks out the left eye of the farmer's wife. Okay. I, it's not necessary to get this reference. The whole book is full of them because the book didn't grow organically. The thing was put together like a jigsaw puzzle. So Isidora ends her interview by saying, Put the heron back in the box and take her along to the wood carving shop tomorrow morning. They've got some place for you there where you can dictate in private and carve wood, of course. Carve wood? Isidora said goodbye and left. Her announcement needed some time to sink in. Carve wood? At that moment, I must have looked even blanker than you did, Miss Heron, before Isidora zapped you. Kuyati has only one passion in life, and that is to carve wood. Later on, people would say that his passion is to sculpt, because he's a wood sculptor, not so much a whittler or a, a wood carver. Uh, throughout his life, he didn't want to be a, a whittler, because he didn't see it like that. And he and brother had a conversation about that which I'll tell you about later. Uh, and Kuyati, um, of course, believed that his art was worthless because he had no self-esteem in, in the least. He felt that he was rubbish. And when people beat him, he was quite sure that in some or other way he deserved it. But there was something deep inside that compelled him to carve. Maybe he believed he would become great. Maybe somewhere inside he knew that he was an exceptional, ridiculously, prodigiously talented sculptor, more than a wood carver. In fact, if you gave him clay, I'm, I'm sure 
Well, no, because the wood was alive to him. And uh, like Michelangelo, he saw the shape inside it, like Michelangelo saw it in the marble. But uh, Miss Heron, since that's the name of this chapter, became his lifelong friend. The God who came uh, to take her back to the uh, ent entrance was turned out to be Shomari. Shomari was a childhood fellow cattle herder of his, and he had had a confrontation with Shomari. He hated Shomari because Shomari had his knife, which was given to him after a fight. And I'll tell all of that in a chapter called The Day of the Knife. The day uh, Koyati was beaten by his fellow cattle herders and not just randomly beaten, he was beaten in terms of long established laws and principles of the cattle herding community, a little subculture of boys, young boys, with huge responsibility for the cattle of the tribe. So there was no room for renegades and traitors and things like that, all of which Koyati thought he was. See you next time, folks. Thank you so much for listening to my ramblings and rantings and all of the above. See you next time.